Back after a couple of weeks, and it's your Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Back at you, I am your Blackhawks pre- and post-game host on 720 WGN. Chris Bowden joined, as always, by the BlackhawksNHL.com correspondent, the Chelsea blogger, Mr. Forbes contributor, among many other things. Wear of many hats, Scott King. Scott, how have things been the last couple of weeks here? Things are good. Things are good. I was telling you. Everyone's healthy now? Everyone's healthy. Just, you know. These allergies. It's ho hum. Yeah, I know. It's always there's always something, right? That, that I, I got to truck through. Uh, things are great. Just a little bit of allergies drying my eyes out, so I look like uh, I've been rubbing my eyes. I, I know being emotional. Life. Yeah, uh, I've been on Allegra D for uh, the better part of three right? decades yeah. now. I'm switching Claritin Zyrtec. Always <laughs> switching, but no, things are good with the Kings. And uh, you guys just had a big trip. I'm very jealous of, but happy for you. It's yeah, on my we'll bucket get, list. We'll get around to that towards the end, and All also right. an All official right. presentation of gifts uh, wow. from our trip to the Hall of Fame as well. But first, first and foremost, and we will get along to some Blackhawks talk, we're also going to hear from Colin Dealey, who's going to be a very important uh, player in terms of the Blackhawks' decision-making here in the offseason and what his role will be coming up. We had a chance to talk to him. It's now three weeks removed, but it's still a very current conversation. As we approach the draft, we'll have a little bit of talk about that as well. We'll catch up with Mark Kelly, the Blackhawks' vice president of scouting, at some point here leading up to the draft on uh, June 21st and 22nd in Vancouver. I'm looking forward to making in that trip and join the Blackhawks on that particular excursion, now with the number three overall pick. But speaking of number three, as we record here on Tuesday, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, it is Tuesday afternoon. No, it's Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday. My days are all confused. You know, when you come back from the road, it's all a blur. But speaking of the number three, a third Game 7 overtime Tuesday night between the St. Louis Blues and the Dallas Stars. I think when the series started, Scott, a lot of us thought it might come to Game 7, and then it Came to Game 7 and another period plus, and uh, what a contest it was, even though you kind of thought it was going to be low scoring. Maybe you thought otherwise when each team scores in the first period, but after that, nothing but goose eggs and hats off to both goaltenders, but particularly the losing goaltender <laughs> who makes an initial stop, but the puck gets behind him, and Patrick Maroon wins the series for St. Louis. That's all I was thinking, especially towards the end of the game. They're just feeling bad for Bishop after they lost. I mean, he played so well the whole series and last night 50 saves I think I saw only five goaltenders have done that yeah in a game in a game seven, seven. Yeah. Since like 1956, uh, but no, just just phenomenal, and he played so well. And you know, he's a guy who's never never been able to to hoist the cup. So uh, you know, he, 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 I'm sure he was hoping he could have this time. And from the beginning, I think you just saw two pretty evenly matched teams with some great goalies, and that's what you got this whole series. It was a good one. Yeah, and only 16 shots on goal in regulation for <laughs> Dallas. Right. Uh, Jordan Biddington was probably yawning down at the other end, but it, it was amazing because after that, uh, those first three periods when St. Louis pretty much dominated but did everything but win that game, all of a sudden you know, toward the mid part of that first overtime and into the second, you thought Dallas was going to win with the pressure that they were generating, but in the end, 52 saves for Ben Bisham. He had two pre Previous game seven shutouts in his career, and he played like it was a shutout. But Patrick Maroon, the the guy, the local guy, beats another local guy. Both of them St. Louis natives. Maroon with the cheap one year contract to play in his hometown, be close to his son. He ends up uh, the big rig, as they call him, getting the game winning goal. And even though this is a speed game these days, it still goes to show you, Scott, that you still need a couple of those. You know, big guys, hulking guys who occupy some space in front of the net. Whether whether they're slow or fast, you do need some size and some presence in front of the net. And Maroon had himself two game-winning goals in that series. Hey, uh, the guys, the guys, huge. He's he's a lumberjack going around the ice, but there there's still it still says something to having some the old uh, net front presence guys who can who can uh, win battles in in the blue paint and right in front of it too. Yeah, he works hard in front of the net. It, it was good to see him get rewarded. Seems I haven't talked to him. Whole lot. I might talk to him this year when uh, when the Blues were in town. Seems like a good guy. Seems like yeah, he is. You get a kind of a different interview out of him than you might have Brad Marchand that we might get to <laughs> later. Yes. Uh, yes. But uh, no, it was, it was good. He was in the right spot, at the right time, as you mentioned uh, on Twitter. I saw you mention um, that uh, you know Thomas did the uh, the work to, to set him up there, but he was yeah. right there in, in the crease to score that goal. And Robert Thomas is a guy that Blackhawks fans are going to have to be concerned about in the years to come because 19 years old, he had himself a great game assisting on both of those goals. His move was the one that really set up that game-winning contest. Uh, so Dallas, for the second time in four years, loses a Game 7 to the St. Louis Blues uh, in the second round to advance the Blues to the Western Conference Final against the team 
that uh, the two teams that are going to go at it tonight as we speak, Colorado and San Jose, um, was kind of hoping to do this this podcast, but some uh, some issues have gotten in the way. Hoping to do it after this game seven on Wednesday night to talk about the final four, if you will. But as we head into that, what well, you know, since our last podcast as well, we had the dramatic. San Jose uh, victory in their series against Los Angeles, which Joe Pavelski was lost. And what, four power play goals were scored uh, in a five-minute power play on that particular uh, controversial five-minute call against Cody Eakin. That punched San Jose's ticket, uh, rather, uh, yeah, San Jose's ticket against Colorado. And this has been a back-and-forth series as they go to Game 7 against San Jose. Uh, and this postseason has also been a huge stage for Nathan McKinnon. Had a Game 5, I believe it was, where he was held off the score sheet that into like an eight-game point streak. But Nathan McKinnon... San Jose gets final change here playing at home. They get their defensive matchups. And I think one thing that Blackhawks fans, which they already know, can take into what we have seen so far in the playoffs and seen with whoever turns into the final four, uh, the final five right now, if you both include Colorado and San Jose going into game seven, defensively, you have to have an active, responsible top four defensively that you have confidence to throw out there against any any combination that the other team may throw out, especially at playoff time. The Blackhawks had that in the old days with Keith and Seabrook and Jalmerson and Oduya. You know, we see that with Colorado and San Jose and St. Louis. Dallas had the same thing. We see that in Carolina as well. Whether that's going to be Duncan Keith, Henry Yoki Haru, Connor Murphy, and to be determined for the Blackhawks or some more faces are rotated in. We are seeing during this playoffs how important that is to have those top four guys that you can throw out there at any point in a game and be confident that they're going to be able to lock down defensively as, as well as anybody against yeah. an opposing opponent's top lines. Yeah, I was going to comment on defense as well. You can have one of the goalies like Bishop, one of the best ones in the playoffs. You know, he can only make 50 <laughs> saves or so. Eventually, you're going to need that. Uh, you're going to need that defensive rotation in front of him that can shut teams down when, when you get into that overtime or second overtime, sometimes third overtime. And, and you know, talking about things Blackhawks fans might have seen and, and some things that, that maybe really uh, not easy for them to see is the heroics that. Panarin had that you you realize he you know he really is a uh, a gamer when it comes to the playoffs. See uh, what Taravainen's had and what he's done, and he's still in it. The Hurricanes, to me, Chris, they're the most unpredictable team. I mean, you you think yeah they're not that good a team, and they keep look at the damage they're doing mm-hmm. to, to some of these other teams that you expected to go further. Um, but Taravainen, you know, I'd have to see him to, uh, again. I saw him uh, maybe a couple times this year, just once this year at the UC. But yeah, he kind of looks like he's. Filled out a bit. He looks like he's in the right place at the right time. He's not as tentative as maybe he was in Chicago. Right. He didn't get you know the minutes all the time, but um, he was a great player, obviously in Chicago. But he's just gotten better, and he he just knows where to be, and he's executing. Three goals in the last two games of that series for Teravainen against Carolina as they delivered the knockout punch on the New York Islanders, who got into the second round by sweeping Pittsburgh, and then Carolina, which was down three one in that series at one point against uh, uh, the Washington Capitals, able to. Uh, uh, win that series and uh, advance, and then they put out the broom against the New York Islanders, even though they had their share of injuries. Five goals against allowed for the Carolina Hurricanes against the New York Islanders. That also says something to the top four and the depth that they have on defense against a couple of to be quite honest, journeyman goaltenders. When Carolina went into this season, they were thinking and counting upon Scott Darling once again to be their main guy. Instead, it's been Morozik and McElhaney. Morozik gets injured. McElhaney comes in for the first time in four or five weeks and plays himself a game and takes over from there. And uh, those two journeyman goaltenders get the job done against what has come uh, become one of the better defenses in the league in Carolina. And, you know, you look up and down their roster uh you might take any of the other four teams right now that are still alive 
in terms of roster depth over Carolina, but they somehow have find a way to, to really galvanize themselves, have an incredible amount of momentum that they are just carrying into the series now against the Boston Bruins. It's the old Bruins and Whalers, the old Whalers uh, matching up once again as the Bruins were finally able to put their foot on the accelerator in that particular series, down to one against Columbus. You thought the Blue Jackets magic was working once again after that Game 3 overtime victory at home, but the Bruins then found a way to lock down, and they... Uh, their their once uh, their great line of Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak that was separated, put it, put back together, came under some criticism for being so quiet in the series, but when it came time to nuts and bolts time, that particular line scores six of their eight goals in games four and five to help change the series and then the Bruins able to put out the knockout punch in Columbus the other night a 3 nothing victory uh, on Monday to knock out the Blue Jackets who we'll get to in a moment, but uh, Props to that line and for Boston as well for uh, really putting the clamps down on, on Columbus. But once again, you love Brad Marchand as a player, but sometimes, you know, whether it's some antics off the ice or some other stuff off. And I know sometimes this doesn't matter to fans, but, you know, I think at some point Patrice Bergeron, a guy like that, is going to have to, even though Brad Marchand's, what, 30? 31. I think at some, so. Yeah. At some point, Bergeron's going to, or somebody on that team, listen. A coach, just, some GM. Just, just, just be like most other hockey players are. We know you need your certain edge to be the type of player you are on the ice. But, you know, don't be a bag here when, when you know, you're trying to ask certain questions just because you sort of have a chip on your shoulder because the way you were being criticized in the media for being so quiet the first three games of the series. Because I think that's what it's all about. And then, you know, there was a skate sharpening question about, uh, an antic that Marchand brought about himself early in this series, too. Yeah, this last thing's a straw that broke the camel's back to me. And not just tell him to act like a hockey player or a pro. Act like a 100-point guy. Act like an elite yeah. hockey player. Because he is. And can he hit guys and have an edge that way? And maybe be a little bit of a Andrew Shaw, who beat his brains in in the Stanley Cup final when they fought. <laughs> uh, can he be that guy? Sure. But this goes back to... Again, we're going. We're we're talking Alexander Burroughs biting, pulling guys' hair, licking a guy's face. You're an you're an adult male pro athlete. Uh, there's that really rubbed me the wrong way. And then I forgot the player who was who was on his knees that he bopped in the back of the head. Scott Harrington. Harrington. Yeah. Harrington. It was a jab. You can hurt someone with a jab. It was from behind. Guys on his knees can't defend himself. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make contact, and he's gonna fall. And there's a reason. Someone else. Uh, I was thinking this, but someone um, said this. Who's a producer on TSN Radio? I forgot. It was a great point that he said. There's a reason. Well, he just said in MMA, you're not allowed to hit guys in the back of the head. hundred percent. I've covered the UFC. You can't do that. That's mm-hmm. not if. And hockey's an incredibly tough sport, but it's not cage fighting. You can't even do that in cage fighting. So you can't do damage with that. It was a coward move. And then I guess going with what the uh, you've been an on ice reporter, a ringside reporter. Going with what the guy said, it was uh, he basically just asked him to sharpen his skates because uh, Marchand had made a joke about how he th- that guy needs to get his skates sharpened because he he kind of uh, put his stick in a guy's mm-hmm. skate and uh, right and lifted it before. So Bar- Marchand was the first guy to make a joke about that. Then reporter make a joke. We've we've both done that. You've yeah. done it on a bigger scale than me. Guys usually know when to be fun and playful, even if it's the playoffs. It's a little that's not a, that's not a shot at his character. It's you already made this joke. I'm just making another joke about it. You don't have to be a, a jerk. Yeah, and, and the thing, there's always been players like this in the league, you know, uh, two, three, four, five players throughout the league uh, for as long as the NHL has been around. But what this player, Brad Marchand, is able to do on a larger scale, we we saw in the past that he's put his team at risk with some of these antics or uh, the things that and Grant this was just particularly in the end this last thing we're talking about a, a, a reporter exchange and props on Kyle I forgot what his what his last name was I'll try, I just follow him I thought he did a great for, job yeah just rolling being prepared with the next question and during the course of that conversation before that last question saying hey I see how this is going we're going to give you one more and then it was another one or two word answer but but Marchand. Again, there would be teams lining up to have him on their on their roster based on what he brings to the table. But just this 
act your age, act like you've been there before, act like you're a professional, and uh, you know you, you would hope someone from Boston, and who knows, maybe someone has already, but uh, take them aside and listen. Find another way to get your edge. If, if you need to do that to get your edge and raise your game, then something's wrong here. Yeah, my, my final thought on this, you know, as we, I'm sure we both have strong opinions on it. I just don't want, I don't want to drag it out too long because I could. But the guy, the reporter's name is Kyle uh, Bukaskis, mm-hmm. B-U-K-A-U-S-K-A-S. And a young reporter did a great job, confident the whole time. I thought asked the right questions, handled the right way. But the thing with... Um, with Marshan, as you can tell, and then he he was really short with other reporters in the room after. Yeah, and what it is is we've seen that before. It's a guy gets called out on something, something he shouldn't do, something he should know not to do. Instead of just saying, "Yeah, I should be better," uh, he's now has a grudge against all the media, mm-hmm. which is no, you shouldn't punch even, a guy even in the head. You shouldn't look a guy's face. Even like, what on, are you doing? Even on topics other than that, right? You know, you're trying to ask him questions about the series, about the game, about the opponent. Talk about give your teammates some credit, right? Anything. Right. So yeah, that's that's where I think it all went wrong for me. All right, off our soapbox on that. Uh, as for the victim on that, Columbus, it's going to be very interesting off season for them. And I, I heard an interesting point uh, along these lines too: is that yes, uh, Yarmo Kekalin and their general manager pushed all the chips in at the trade deadline, not only with Bobrovsky and Panarin uh, not wanting to sign contract extensions and apparently wanting to be out of Columbus or at least shop their wares, although um, you know the preceding point seems to be uh, the more valid one, that the, they are looking for a new location, but also going out and getting Duchesne to zingle a couple of other minor pieces there that, that ended up working during the first round and looked like it was working during the course of the second round, and now they go into free agency July 1st at risk of losing all that after uh, just getting halfway through the second round in terms of advancing. And one interesting point I, I heard, though, was that Kekalana may have helped his cause with other free agents who were out there in the summer by being as aggressive as he was, by saying he was all in, and that they will have money to spend if all the others, all these other guys go out the door. Uh, it's going to be uh, fascinating to find out who they're able to retain, whether all these guys exit, and the one in particular that could potentially be tied to the Blackhawks because he's a local guy, Ryan Dezingle. I think during our last podcast, I brought up the fact that he went to school at Ohio State, so that may be a factor for him wanting to stay. However, during this series, he was a healthy scratch by John Tortorella in that series. Ends up coming back and scoring one of those goals in Game 5 in Boston during that wild third period. But the fact that you know, he may not be totally on the same page with Tortorella. I don't know whether that has any effect into his decision uh, or whether he would even in, you know, even want to resign in Columbus because of his history there at Ohio State. You know, this could factor into the Blackhawks' favor potentially with not getting anybody's hopes up too high. But that's going to be interesting, interesting to see and to see what uh, Ryan Dezingle, who comes off a career year both with Ottawa and Columbus, as he heads into free agency too. I think people would really like to see him in Chicago. When he's in the lineup, I love how he plays plays mm-hmm. hard on pucks knock jar on his butt it's yeah. not easy to do right yeah so that guy is six eight whatever uh that and uh, he scored a couple goals right when he's in the lineup i saw at least one i think just i think that one that, that in it. game five was the only one he okay. scored during but, the entire yeah no I, I like what he brings i like him as a bomb six guy and along those lines uh, b- before we get to uh, some of these other things a couple quick points on free agency because now as it approaches and we're seeing some of these players in the playoffs and how they perform as they approach free agency uh, i i'm seeing all these folks on twitter who sometimes you know write their own blogs making their predictions or their wish lists or projections. I think I even saw one the other day where, okay, if you trade an ESIM off, this leaves this amount of cap space so you can go out and assign uh, Kevin Hayes, Ryan Dezingle, this guy, that guy. And, and I have to chuckle at that because everyone has their own wish list. Everyone has their own pie in the sky and opinion of what Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks should or shouldn't do personnel-wise and with the salary cap space they have. But let's keep this in mind, people. With what we're seeing in this free agents uh, period coming up here July 1, yes, we'd all like to see the big splash moves. There are some who think that the Blackhawks need to make a splash move because of missing the playoffs the last couple of years and pump the interest back up despite the way they finished the season. Even if they miss on some of these bigger names in free agency, there are a heck of a lot other names in this free agent pool who may not be as sexy, but who could still serve important purposes from a depth standpoint for the Blackhawks. Because you see all these teams in the playoffs, 
they're rolling at least three lines or, or four lines. These were the same teams who were doing that during the regular season. And, you know, while the Blackhawks were top heavy in their scoring, they can certainly improve their roster by some of these supplementary players who, who could fill out a roster. Uh, Nola Chari of Boston is a penalty killing type guy who is a third, fourth line guy who could certainly serve a purpose here in Chicago. I think I, I mentioned Pierre Edward Belmar of, of uh, Vegas a couple of weeks ago, but there are dozens of other guys who may not be at the top of the list, sexiest guys. Yeah, uh, Brett Connolly's due for a big payday. He scored 22 goals for Washington this year. Even guys like Junis Donskoy of San Jose. Uh, who knows what Jordan? Michael Furland of Carolina, who's been injured most of this uh, this postseason, if not all of this postseason. These are other guys who could serve purposes on the roster uh, and help the uh, Blackhawks particularly build their roster. Even if they wanted to go after a Patrick Maroon, if he does want to stay in, in St. Louis, there are other players like this outside of the the Nyquists and the Hayes and. Um, uh, you, you know, some of the other big names that we're seeing here in free agency, that, uh, Panarin, who could certainly serve a purpose for the Blackhawks from, from a depth standpoint. Jeff Skinner's another one of those big, sexy names. But, you know, there are others. Brandon Tanev uh, along the forward lines. We see what Colin Wilson's doing in Colorado. And then defensively, there are certainly some other players in that free agent pool. Tyler Myers might be the biggest name of them all from a, you know, a defensive style player outside of Eric Carlson, who hit the market. Even Patrick Nemeth, who's been a healthy scratch and who is a darn good player and could give the Blackhawks something they could use on the back end uh, depth-wise, some toughness, a uh, veteran-type player. There are other guys here who, if the Blackhawks and Stan Bowman don't make a big splash, and grand, we're a couple months away from that. But let's let's keep that in mind. Obviously, everyone has their wish list, but there are definitely others who could help the Blackhawks build their roster and give them some depth on the third and fourth lines to become a better team overall. So you're telling all those fans that want Stan to go get Panarin at whatever cost to curb their expectations because there's other guys there that could be beneficial. And when you say that, let's also think, do you want, and Panarin's a great player, he hasn't gotten a team or hasn't been on a team that's beyond second round of the playoffs ever in his career, do you want another $11 million, $10, $11 million commitment for over the course of the next six or eight years that is also going to keep you in salary cap? You know what? So that is certainly an option. It'd be great to see him on the team, but also think about how it may affect what the Blackhawks are facing right now, too, or what they have up until this point with not having some of that depth and balance behind the first couple of lines, too. Yeah, and just like you said, they are top-heavy in their scoring, but they have a lot of scoring. They have a lot of guys already that can score, that can set up plays. So where you need to improve, and it was very obvious this year, and we talked about it uh, you know, ad nauseum, is the defense. And if you can grab a, a stay-at-home type of defenseman who's who's skilled, it, he could also help on the PK. That's where other need is there, special teams. And if they can get some guys uh, like the Zingle, like some bottom six guys that can, that can help with some, some scoring depth, great. But I think you got to improve the defense first, and maybe you can improve special teams with getting a certain kind of defenseman. There are guys like that out there who could certainly help the Blackhawks who aren't big splashes, whether it, you know who can serve you well. Depth-wise at, def- at defense, p- kill penalties, guys like Jordy Ben of Montreal, Jamie's, uh, Jamie's brother. Uh, ben Sherratt played a top-four role in Winnipeg. Winnipeg is a real cash-strapped team. They have some tough decisions to make. Um, even, even a guy we've seen in the St. Louis series, Carl Gunnarsson, is one of those types of players. Heck, Alexander Edler, if he's able to take a short-term two- or three-year deal, uh, to move away from Vancouver. Grant, he made $5 million last year. Um, he, he'll probably look for a little bit of bump in pay, but he's not going to be a bank buster, as you might say. That's another one of these types of players, Patrick Nemeth. This isn't to say I'm standing on a soapbox rooting for the Blackhawks to sign these guys, but it's something to keep in mind if the big splash doesn't come where you could still improve your team different ways without the uh, the big sexy splash. On July 1st, but uh, we'll learn a little bit more as we get closer to that. Because there are other things going on. They just finished the Under-18 tournament. As we talk about the Blackhawks building their roster both for the present and for the future, it was a very interesting tournament because one of the guys that everyone had their eyes on and is a potential number 3 overall pick that we discussed in our last pod, uh, podcast here, Vasily Podkolzin of Russia, who will be locked into the KHL for at least two more years. 
that's one of the caveats that you have to deal with if you decide to pick him. And there were a lot of people thinking he would go number three, but it appeared as though his stock did uh, drop in many people's eyes in that under-18 tournament, held completely scoreless until he finally was able to score in the gold medal game. You could see how that gave his team some jump in that contest against Sweden, and then his game completely changed. He was absolutely on fire from the time he finally scored a goal, and he gave himself some jump, he gave his team some jump. Uh, Russia played extremely well. After that, in the uh, third period, he seemed to be a different player, but in the end, Sweden ends up winning that under-18s tournament in overtime. But just the fact that it could be simply luck, everyone has seen that he has a lot of skill, but now I have seen, based on his performance on that big, important stage in his final test before the NHL draft, him performing or having the lack of production the way he did. I've even seen uh, earlier this week someone projecting him to drop all the way to like the 15 to 20 range in this draft based on what it's happened. So there's a lot of variables when it can, uh, when it, uh, you're talking about that particular player, but we also got to see the likes of, of, uh, Dylan Cousins and Alex Turcott, a local kid from Island Lake, the son of former NHLer Alfie, who had an injury plague season for the national, uh, development team, have himself a real good tournament, a real good season once he returned. He's a local kid, not necessarily big, but the type of playmaker. I mentioned Dylan Cousins of Canada had himself a real good tournament, one of those bigger centers. We all saw what Cole Caulfield did, the DeBrinket clone, if you will. And uh, there's also another game that's come up who's still involved in the uh, WHL playoffs, uh, Bowen Byram, who is a bigger defenseman, more defensively inclined, who has seen his stock rise. So there's a whole bunch of variables here. The good part about this for the Blackhawks is that after... Jack Hughes and Capococco likely go one and two to New Jersey and the Rangers. They get the pick of the litter and decide the course of the rest of the draft. It's going to be real interesting to see how this shakes out in the decision-making for the Hawks scouting department. Yeah, you've touched on the guys that I have my eyes on. I still like Dylan Cousins a lot. Uh, he, Like you said, he had a, I was following him. He had a great tournament. And look, you got to feel bad for a guy like... Pod Coles, and there's probably a few of them in a tournament, and these kids are playing in 18 and under, and they're that young, and they have this much amount of pressure. They know all the scouts are watching, they know all of uh, hockey fans and hockey world are watching, and they understand that the way they play just in this one tournament, they could be you know, elite, elite players at heart at every other t- opportunity. But if they don't deliver in this, a lot of times, like you said, they, they can fall quite a bit. Stock rising, stock falling. We saw what happened to Cole Caulfield. <laughs> yeah, he was good as it was, but then he scores like uh, averages two goals a game during the course of the tournament. And those who didn't see Jack Hughes are not as familiar with Jack Hughes because he was injured a lot during the World Juniors back in late December, early January. We saw how good he was in that particular tournament, uh, busting Alex Ovechkin records that were held for quite some time. Uh, so that's all part of the equation here. Speaking of young players, before we get to the World Championships and discuss that, there's still some Blackhawks prospects that are involved in playoffs. We mentioned in our last podcast how Adam Boquist was, uh, was knocked out of the OHL playoffs by the Guelph team that uh, Mackenzie Entwistle is on. And that team has advanced to the uh, OHL final against Ottawa. They trail 2-1 going into a game for tonight. But Mackenzie Entwistle, one of the uh, former third-round pick of Arizona who came over in the uh, Vinny Hinestroza slash Marion Hosta trade, he's having himself a decent tournament for Guelph. Seven goals, 19 points. That's fifth on his team through 21 games as he plays in the final there. And then in the Quebec Major Junior uh, President's Cup. Uh, Halifax is involved in that particular final, regardless, uh, because um, uh, the Quebec Major Junior League is hosting uh, their regular season champ is an automatic bid. So the runner up, these two teams that are involved in the final, including Halifax, will advance to the Memorial Cup final. But two players for Halifax, the number six pick from the Blackhawks in uh, last June's draft, goalie Alexei Gravel, is having himself a great playoff. 14 and 6, a 2.65918 save percentage. And then a defenseman that the Blackhawks chose in the final round back in 2016, Jake Rizel, I'm, I'm sorry, Jake Rizek has himself uh, 13 assists through that tournament as well. So a couple of Blackhawks prospects. 
particularly the one that you note in net, Alexei Gravel, who I believe is 19, perhaps only 20 years old, getting some experience and starting to actually show something. He's a big goalie. We knew he was green when the Blackhawks picked him, but uh, some encouraging signs for the Blackhawks, some of the prospects uh, going on deep runs in the uh, CHL playoffs there. Encouraging for an interesting prospect camp, probably. You know, you yep. got all these guys you mentioned, uh, some other guys in the other leagues, and whoever they get at number three, you know, they could be very close to being ready, and that's if they don't trade that pick. It's be very interesting to see what they do with that pick. But there's, yeah, there's there's going to be some vacancies, and for sure. One other point I wanted to make about that number three pick, too, before, before we move along, is in all likelihood, whoever the Black, Blackhawks pick at number three, you shouldn't get your expectations high that they're going to be an immediate impact player. In all likelihood, after Hughes and Kako, it looks like everyone else is going to at least need one more year. A lot of these guys, probably one more year is all they'll need, but in all likelihood, one more year down at the the junior level or the minor league level before they're going to be able to. So don't be thinking number three, unfortunately, this year is necessarily going to be an immediate impact player for the Hawks. I'm going to guess uh, hat trick opening night. (laughs) Set that bar, buddy. (laughs) Brandon Sod style. But you you just never know because uh, having to to face this league at such a young age um, is is daunting. And we we saw what happened with Adam Boquist even in the OHL. Yeah, he's putting up great numbers offensively, but I think everyone's in agreement that more season is is needed physically and from uh, the defensive end for Adam Boquist. Speaking of international competitions, Patrick Kane's back. Captain America is back, and the World Championships are about to be begin in the next day or two. The U.S. will open against Slovakia. They played an exhibition on Tuesday afternoon. Alex Dabrinkit joining him on Team America, but uh, the lines, at least in this first contest against Germany and Dominic Cahoon, by the way, who scored a goal in a U.S. 5-2 victory over Germany, it was Kane Eichel and Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes on one line, while Jack Hughes was centering Alex Debrinkit and James Van Riemsdyk on the second line. And then Debrinkit just continued doing Debrinkit things in international competition, and at least in that exhibition to start things off against Germany. Yeah, his goal to assist, not bad. Just an exhibition game, but he's already showing up. He's already... He's already checked in. Uh, he's on the third line there. It's going to be fun to watch this team. That's mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good team, you know. Johnny Goudreau on the can third do. line. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> and that's, Chris Kreider. I, I'm really looking forward to watching them play games that count. Uh, as they open against Slovakia there, and um, during the course of the competition, uh, they, they won the bronze last year. They were blown out against Sweden, I believe, in the semifinal game, and then Sweden beat a surprise Swiss team, which, by the way, will have... Uh, Philip Kurashev once again on its squad. Kurashev lit it up for the Swiss team at the World Juniors. Uh, so Kurashev, who had a couple of games down in the minors with the Rockford Icehawks, he will be on that Swiss team. And the other Blackhawks representing Dylan Strom on Team Canada, Henry Yoki Haru, and uh, Kevin Lankinen, the uh, goalie for Indy slash Rockford last season. They'll be representing Finland. I see that Yoki Haru is going to be a part of the number one power play unit for Team Finland, so that gives him a little bit more exposure. We mentioned Dominic Cahoon will play for Germany. Anisimov for the Russians, Kurashev for the Swiss team. And Marcus Kruger and Eric Gustafsson for Team Sweden. I'm interested to see with all the uh, Swedish talent that uh, that club has on the back end how much Eric Gustafsson whose tournament at this time a year ago was cut short by a wrist or a hand injury how much he is able to contribute for a Sweden team that's usually pretty loaded although not as loaded as much due to some of the players that are involved still involved in the Stanley Cup but uh, always a fun tournament to watch and you know a, a little little taste of things for Blackhawks fans missing seeing their guys on the ice too you could see how they're getting back into action. Good for them in this uh, international competition, too. You know, it looks like Strom set up to play some left wing for Canada. And if you're a Hawks fan, I think you got to be happy all these guys are playing. I mean, you know, for the, for the guys who are a little greener, they're getting some really big stage experience. I, I think it says a lot about Patrick Kane that he's playing in this again mm-hmm. and that he wants to be the captain um, to kind of uh, draw and expand that, that leadership role. And just the fact that he always wants to play on a big stage. He could take a summer off, go on a couple several vacations with the long off season yeah. they had and you know whether it was when he uh played overseas before um prior to joining his first worlds here he always looks for ways to get better whether it's his you know playing in a, in a league or his uh the workouts he does 
at home. He's always looking to get better, always looking for big stages. And that says a lot. A guy who never gets comfortable that you don't want to see get comfortable. So uh, that'll be fun to watch over the course of the next couple of weeks. I know most of the games are on uh, NHL Network, and you can uh, check those out. I know a lot of them will be streaming probably on one way or another as well. All right, uh, speaking of prospects, there's one kind of quasi-prospect in Colin Delia that the Blackhawk fans already know a good deal about, and uh, Delia has begun his off-season. I was able to catch up with him. It's now three weeks ago that Rockford's season ended. Uh, when we did our last podcast, I gave you a short interview with Henry Yoki Haru. We also heard from Brian Campbell talking a little bit about his experience this past year with Adam Boquist. But as uh, Rockford three weeks ago, unfortunately, the Ice Hogs weren't able to make a repeat trip to the Calder Cup playoffs. So I drove out to Rockford, caught up with a couple of guys as they cleaned out their lockers, one of which was Colin Dealey, who finished the season down in Rockford once Corey Crawford became healthy once again. He finished his season second in the AHL with a 922 save percentage, ninth with a 2.48 goals against average. He'll turn 25 in June. It's going to be a real interesting offseason. We spoke about free agency and whether the Blackhawks do the amount to. Uh, of aggressiveness that they have at the goalie position in free agency, whether they'll want to sign a veteran backup, uh, bring back Anton Forsberg. I'm not sure Forsberg will want that, or whether they're going to throw all their chips on Colin Delia and the aforementioned Kevin Lankinen. They have Gravel in the system now as well. But leave it to Colin Delia when I talk to him after uh, Rockford's uh, locker cleanout. To bring out the $5 words when I asked him uh, how the immediate offseason looks for him. In other words, as you'll hear, it's a few weeks off before ramping things up. And how he is going to approach this offseason, kind of as everybody believes, as the guy who will be the main backup to Corey Crawford come next year. So what now? Yeah, it's a million-dollar question. It's a very existential question. It can go in a multiplicity of different ways, right? Um, but for now, I'm going to be staying in Rockford for the next couple of weeks, uh, launching a business, uh, leather goods business. Yeah, so it's going to take up a majority of my time. Um, just take care of my body, you know, do a lot of rehab, a lot of mental rehab, you know, so to speak. And, you know, I kind of said it before, alluded to it. Um, you know, you place a lot of your self-worth and uh, individuality and the wins and losses of the team right as the year goes on mm-hmm. it's like it's an emotional roller coaster of sorts so anything that you can do to get back to level here is going to be important the next coming weeks for me so just kind of like disattaching like right. from all of that you know from the nuances like turn my phone off i don't even like i love playoffs and i love to see who wins but i'm just kind of like yeah. out of sight out of mind like let's recharge like i'm already thinking like what do I need to do for next year? I want to see how the person, how the goalie at the beginning of next season prepares. You know, I kind of want to see, like, at that point in my life, you know, maybe October 1, whatever it is, the first game of the season, how am I going to look back on this time and be proud of the way I prepared to be at that point? So what's going to be part of this preparation? How is it going to be different this year? Um, sticking around here, working with the Hawks, uh, how, how will you try to get prepared differently this year? So there's a lot of similarities, and then, I mean, obviously on the outside there's a lot of difference. You know, people are saying, well, it's a three, you know, you got to have a big summer. You know, it's a three-year contract, da-da-da-da. I've always had to have a big summer, you know. It's not even a big summer anymore. It's just summer. This is just my life. This is how I prepared this is who I am Mm -hmm. you know there's no I don't create any circumstances for myself outside of you know how I normally am like I just act you know and for me you know there's a lot of mental prep that's going to be occurring in the summer you know uh, I want to be a have a sustainable long career in the NHL you know so I'm even looking at you know the viewpoint of a professional in the NHL for five years like how am I going to look five years from now what do I want to do so that I am a structurally sound, technically sound goalie that can play in this league in five years from now. You know, so I'm trying to <clears throat> take that mindset and see what that looks like. Uh, also, I really want to take a step back and realize what's happened this year. You know, like competing. You know, here. You know, playing well enough to get a call up, being a part of a Winter Classic. You know, making a playoff push with the Hawks, and then here with the Hogs, like. There's a lot there, 
you know, that when you're in the moment, you don't really fully grasp, you know. So I'm definitely going to have some uh, retrospection, you know, and reflection on everything that's happened. Um, I'm going to start by, after that, I'm going to start getting my body, you know, ready to train again, you know, work on some foundational elements, make sure, you know, my joints are, you know, healthy, make sure, you know, everything is working in a synergy, you know, that's very important for me. Um, and, and you know there's going to have to be an on switch at some point in the off season, and, and there's also going to be a different challenge here because I guess the, the expectation is, is that you'll be up there next season, but the different challenges not playing as much too yeah so I mean, is there any way to kind of mentally prepare for that too? well i think okay let's let's look at all the goalies the younger goalies that have made the jump you know in their first year how many of them are starting goalies right off the bat maybe a handful you know the carry price mark andre Fleury. you know even they had you know a bit of like a period where they were transitioning you know so it, it just realizing off the bat that it's going to be different and making that association you know, I think that's going to help. You know, you're already ahead of the, the curve there. Um, and then also, I mean, just taking care of your body a little bit better because in a way, like when you don't play, you know, you're on, on the ice longer practicing, you know, and you still have to be ready to play that night because God forbid something happens. So um, just being even more regimented, you know, dietary needs, sleep, you know, I mean, just mental prep, meditation, you know, journaling, things that I like to do, you know, to get myself in the right headspace to be, you know, ready for the next game. Uh, and just having an eye on consistency, you know, doing those things, you know, religiously, habitually, you know, to expect, you know, the same result out of myself at practice as I would in the game, night in, night out, traveling, home game. You know, that's a huge thing. You know, and I want to be a pro that plays in the league for, you know, 10 plus years. You know, I'm going to have to make those good habits now. Yeah. And lights out save percentage the first four or five games when you were called up by the Blackhawks. Yeah. It was unrealistic for people to expect that to, to continue going yeah, forward. And when it and when it when it dipped a bit, though, and I know your expectations were high. When it dipped a bit, a little bit after that, was that just a result of the league finding out about you, learning about you a little bit more, and, and you know, and and just maybe some you know little tweaks that you and Jimmy needed uh, needed to correct. Well, I think it's it's a feeling out process, you know, as well. Like for myself, you know, I mean come out there you know full head of steam you know with that kind of mentality out of camp like i can be here you know like maybe a couple months like three four months prior i'm like you know pretty upset you know driving back from chicago to rockford like you know i can be here like i proved to myself that like i can be here and i can make this jump you know so kind of riding that momentum in the first couple of games you know and then you get it and you're like you know you proved yourself you can be here and then it in a way like the travel you know in a way kind of catches up to you and like all the other nuance you know like living in a hotel like i'm not used to that right you know so there's a lot of other you know minutia if you will that enshrouds you that you can kind of get caught up in i think i obviously did but you know i think that's part of it you know and how do i channel that you know and i think also like I'd love to play like that forever, you know, I'd love to play in that same, you know, like exponential growth curve, but, you know, I mean, as time will say, as time tells, you know, everything evens out, and, you know, I think, I think it was, I had like one of the highest average shots per game, you know, in the league. Toronto third period? Yeah, holy, I mean, if you think, like, what's the average, if I had played a full game of that you know, dosage. That's nine. That's about was that eighty seven ninety. Had a few shot. games like that though. Yeah. So I mean, but the thing is, like as a goalie, you'd rather have that type of work. You know, like, and in a way, like it's easy to play in those games. You know, but it, what's harder is to play in the games where you get like twenty shots and you have like a goal in the first period in the first minute. You know, like, and that's really what I've worked on this year. You know, I've been able to see, you know, a multiplicity of situations, you know, like in Chicago, you know, I was facing so many shots and then I come back to Rockford and it's like my first game, I have 16 shots, one goal, you know? So that's great. You know, that's great because, I mean, it's not going to be like the same situations every night. You're going to play teams that you're catching, you know, like that are coming off a long road trip. You're going to play teams that are full of piss and vinegar, you know? Uh, two more for you here before I let you go. Uh, what was the sponge factor like this season when you were up there with two goalies who can combine for three cups? Uh, it's a sponge factor of 10, you know, 10 out of 10. I mean, you're really, 
just focused on I think watching for me I'm such a visual learner like watching how they prepare you know what good habits do they have you know what's maybe unique about them that you know intrinsically like not everybody has you know those intangible qualities you know like I can't necessarily like have those in my game but I have also things about my I have things about myself also that make me you know unique as well so like one thing I really admire about Crawford you know is that he kind of has this personality where like he doesn't know what the score is he just plays you know he's just going out there to stop the puck he doesn't have conditions you know it's not like oh this guy didn't back check whatever you know he's like a true professional in the sense that he has a job and he's going to do it you know Wardo like just for just to hit on him you know he's kind of always been a he's always been a starting goalie I mean he wasn't the first year when he won the Stanley Cup but then he kind of played that role you know so you look at a guy like that and like how has he been able to sustain you know such a long like 10 year career you know and it's due in part you know to his like demeanor you know and how he views the game you know it's nothing that I could even really communicate to you it's just their aura just who they are they're like intrinsic qualities um, intangibles and yeah, it's it's really beneficial, you know, in that way. I mean, and then also just pick their brain about you know things that I'm curious about, situational play. You know, like kind of always realize like one of the commonalities between every goalie in the NHL is like, oh, they keep making the gear smaller. You know, so we always talking about that. But. Complaint club. <laughs> Bless you. Um, just like, how can we stay protected? You know, you know, I mean, dangerous. You know, to a certain extent. You know, especially with the technology being much greater and the players shooting faster and the games obviously evolved to become very fast. Like, how do we still stay protected and be effective? Mm-hmm. Finally, another guy who's uh, going to want to stick for good up there next year is Henry. I mean, he got a taste this year, too. When you were down here with him uh, this year after you know he was sent down, too, what kind of growth did you see in his game? Yeah, I think being such a young player, like, I can only think of myself you know when I was that age and like was I ready for what he's going through no you know so there's a huge testament to him that he is where he is you know based on his skill and mindset you know and obviously everyone has a different you know pattern for growth and I think to see where he is at this age like it's so impressive so if he just can continue to realize how good he is he's going to be very effective you know at this level and then even the next level he's going to be able to make that jump and be uh you know top six defenseman in the nhl it's just always that space between the ears with everybody that eight inches between the ears that matters you know so that interview runs 10 minutes long but at the very outset you you Heard the uh, California kid give me an existential and multiplicity within the first within the first couple of seconds of that interview. Obviously, he wants some time to chill. He's in the process of doing that. Uh, probably three weeks into it, he'll probably give himself a couple of more weeks before ramping things up. But uh, he talked about being a sponge, learning from the likes of Cam Ward, Corey Crawford, three Stanley Cup winning goaltenders, or a combined three Stanley Cups between them, and how he'll handle the responsibility if he is the backup goaltender this year of not playing enough, knock on wood, if Corey Crawford is healthy, of having that role and trying to remain good even though the playing time is not going to be as frequent. And I think uh, all Blackhawk fans hope uh, both Corey Crawford and Colin Delia, if that's the route that Stan Bowman decides to go, are able to uh, handle handle that particular responsibility uh, moving forward uh, behind a defense that we don't know uh, how it's going to look. But uh, an important offseason for Colin Delia. But as he said, they've been important for him over five, six, seven years. Five dollar over, over a multiplicity of years. I <laughs> yes, should say. I was getting to your five dollar words. That was very well put for the beginning of that that clip. He's the opposite of Brad Marchand. Right, Colin Delia is is always up for for fun, and he'll tell you what he's what he's thinking too. Whatever's going on with him or the team, uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit and and talking to him. And yeah, I'm one of the people who thinks he'll definitely be the backup. And he might, you know, he's not going to get. The same amount of games as a starter, obviously, in the NHL, but he's going to get some really good experience, be able to pick Crawford's brain even more. I, I think he'll still get a lot of games. You know how they like to preserve and rest Corey, especially with what he's been through with the concussions. So I think it's going to be a real good situation for Colin Delia this, this season. Yeah, even though it was a little bit uncomfortable to watch at times, I mentioned during the course of that interview, and he reacted his first four or five games up, his save percentage was just lights out with the number of shots that he got. But then, uh, as he went a little bit further into the season, the 
league learned him. The league knew some of his vulnerable spots. He made some mistakes. And uh, even though you don't like to see him at the time, I think he can grow from some of those rough patches that he had uh, a little bit later on as his uh, run here at the Black Huskins. Because it's not going to be, it's not going to be all sunshine, lollipops, and roses. You know, and I looked at uh, for some of these young goaltenders, and I looked at, he's going to turn 25 in June. Some of these other goaltenders that are in the playoffs right now, so so Delia's played uh, what less than twenty games uh, in the NHL so far. Some of these goalies in the playoffs right now; these were their ages when they played more than ten games in any particular NHL season. Ben Bishop was twenty six before he tur- uh, he had a season in which he played ten plus games. Jordan Bennington this year is 25. We've seen what he's done for St. Louis. Tuka Rask was 23, but he was still playing backup splitting time with Tim Thomas in Boston for a couple of years. was really 26 before he took over that role full-time, and that first full year was when the Blackhawks beat him in the Stanley Cup Final in 2013. Peter Morozik was 24. Philip Grubauer was 24 before he got a season in which he played 10-plus games. And Corey Crawford was 26 before he came on in 2010 and 2011 and took over for Marty Turco at that time. So even though Colin Deal is 25, uh, it's it's very rare, as Colin mentioned during that that process, uh, very rare. Uh, do green goalies come in? Carey Price is one of them. Marc-Andre Fleury, Patrick Waugh. Those are goalies at a different level. But most of these that come along, uh, there's a growth process. And it isn't until, you know, they're in that mid-20s range where they really gain a comfort level, a knowledge of themselves of what they have to do and how to adapt to the NHL, too. Yeah, I think when Tim Thomas won that cup... With Boston in 2011. Yeah, I was like mid to late 30s. And so. he went through his growing pains too. Yeah. In the course Did of his career. Did not want to go to the White House. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's a good point to, to, to look at all those guys' ages. You forget, you're always focused on, oh, is that forward or is that, that, you know, superstar winger too old? Is he still in his prime? But uh, the goaltender is a position where there's a lot of learning to be done and, and a lot of experience to be gained. And those guys, they can still be effective. Look at, uh, Lundquist, uh, Mm-hmm. In recent seasons, um, maybe not so much too recently, but uh, yeah, the guys can get up there a little bit in age in, in terms of hockey overall. It's, a, it's an uh, elder skatesman position. Speaking of uh, Corey Crawford, uh, the Blackhawks announced, or actually IndyCar announced this week, that he is going to be driving the pace car at the uh, Indianapolis uh, Grand Prix coming up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Saturday. We all know Corey's a gearhead. They had that uh, car for charity that he he uh, he reworked. He, he loves loves his vehicles. That thing was a thing of beauty. Uh, he loves uh, getting underneath those things and, and working on them, and it would seem only fitting. And it's good to hear that uh, Corey Crawford is good to go around noise and sound and uh, commotion. Yeah, loud engines. Uh, exactly. Uh, something that he loves to do, and it's good to hear that he's feeling well. Just don't crash the. Just don't crash the pace car. Oh, man, no, right? oh, man, I was going to go there. <laughs> it's uh, don't need that because we know how, as we mentioned in the last podcast, how salty he was at that groin injury he got. Oh yeah, in the next to last game of the year that he had yeah. To deal I, with. I, you also saw his love of cars and, and the one he uh, refurbished, I guess, for charity uh, on the road to the Winter Classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, his love for cars and he auctioned it off, and it's been all over the internet. It's been on TV. It's it's the man loves cars. Another thing that Corey Crawford did, I learned. On a recent trip, uh, my recent trip to Toronto here, my daughter uh, and I were able to uh, go to Toronto uh, a day after my wife was sent there for a conference for a few days. So we spent the weekend uh, into, uh, came back into town on Tuesday. But uh, that gave me the opportunity to visit the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame for the first time, which we'll get to in a moment. But when you go to Toronto, there are other things that you do. And yes, I did help the Canadian economy quite, uh, quite much by the things you have to do when you're in Toronto. And that's going to, the CN Tower. Uh, that's going to their aquarium is really nice. I uh, had a hankering to go to a Blue Jays game because they were playing Minnesota. They got back in time. I decided not to go to that because um, it turned out to be one of those games that I would have walked out on earlier. Minnesota blew them out <laughs> early, but uh, that was Monday night. Decided not to go to that and just kind of uh, chill out. But it was good walking around town, experiencing some different things. But when you go to the CN Tower, you have an opportunity if you would so like. And and I have learned over the last few years that I have gotten worse with heights as I have gotten older. And they have one of these things where you can go 114 stories up, 
there is kind of a stainless steel ridge around one of the rings of the towers where you can go out, get harnessed onto um, kind of a uh, another ring that goes around the CN Tower in a jumpsuit, go over this uh, five-foot steel, stainless steel walkway, harnessed to this uh, other other line that you're connected to, and lean backwards <laughs> over... Toronto, Lake Ontario, everything in the distance with nothing between you and the ground 114 stories below, but this harness holding you up. And one of the guys that they showed going up there was Corey Crawford. He experienced it. There's a picture of him doing it. And so next time I see him, I'm going to have to do When did this happen? It's an autograph picture. He's sitting there smiling, calm as a cucumber. The life of a goalie in the midst of a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, why wouldn't you want to do this? This is something that my daughter wanted to do it, and I, I thought, okay, maybe you know you have to face your fears. Maybe I would do this, but then even as I, I got up, at totally protected by a bar and plexiglass and and uh, and uh, a cage around leaning over, and there's this other thing where you have a glass floor where you can look straight down and you look straight down and that's the top of the Sky Dome or Rogers Center as they call it now. I was even I was even touchy doing that. Yeah, little kids, five and six years old, they're laying on this glass floor and I'm tiptoeing around it. There were a couple of guys worse than me, but to see Corey Crawford did this when it was a couple of years ago, obviously, because he was having his issues last off season. But there's Corey just hanging 114 stories up. His you know, his shoes touching this stainless steel floor. But I guess it's an hour and a half they take you completely around this ring around the CN much Tower. Time. Oh my God. <laughs> and you do oh. walk a little bit, but there's these other times where you lean totally backward and it's just it's just this harness holding you up. And it's amazing. You can go online and see some of these shots. It's called Edge Walk at CN Tower. You'll see some of the uh some of the examples there. But <laughs> Man, it's it's scary. And when you're down below at the base of the tower, you can see people leaning back uh, as you look up at this one ring. So it, it's absolutely no, incredible. no thanks. I would go back to the first time I saw that people do that, or you have the option of doing. I go back to the hotel. Right. It takes one second to face. Your I know. Fear. Sears, Not an hour. Sears Tower has these these uh, these floors right, that jut right. out over over the course. Of people the people propose there. Yes. <laughs> But, That's terrifying. Yeah, no, thank you. Kate Upton was another one, uh, one of the other celebs who did this. There, there are a number of them before you go up there. Hey, if they do it, you can do it. Be like a celebrity. Oh my no, God. thanks. No, thanks. So I'll have to ask Corey about that next time. <laughs> but uh, so it was a fun trip. Uh, Toronto's a really cool city. If you've never been up there, get the opportunity. And the other opportunity, it, it's clean. Um, the folks there are really nice. I also had the chance during. Uh, uh, since the Maple Leafs are knocked out, but the Raptors were still in it, uh, there was great panic in the streets of, of Toronto over the course that the Raptors had fallen behind 2-1 in their series to Philadelphia. So just like the Maple Leafs do, you may have seen it on, on the broadcast where when the Maple Leafs aren't home, they have this huge screen outside Scotiabank Arena, and the fans gather in this little mall stress, uh, slash street that's blocked that's off. Cool. And there are thousands of them that gather. Well, they did this for the Raptors game on Sunday afternoon for Game 4 against the 76ers, which they ended up winning, and it's quite a scene down there outside the arena where they're all watching this big screen, and it's just as though you're inside the arena. The fans are cheering, they're moaning, they're groaning yeah. at every missed free throw and every yeah, bad yeah. foul call, and it's a heck of a scene. And uh, Tuesday night, last night, they ended up going back to Scotiabank Arena and blowing out Philadelphia, so they're within a game of uh, advancing to the uh, Eastern Conference Final. So those Raptors fans are rabid up there, not as rabid as the NHL fans. So that's another scene I took in. But of course, there's the Hockey Hall of Fame. You've never, never been I, up there? I've never been. I was happy for you that you're going. It's on my bucket list. Yeah. It's something I really, really want to see. When you walk around it on the outside, it doesn't look as big as you would think. Um, and outside, I, I posted a couple of pictures on Twitter where you see that year's current inductees, in this case, Marty St. Louis, uh, among those. Uh, that was really cool. Gary Bettman. At Bowden Tweets, you can see that. That was mm-hmm. very, very cool. Yeah, check some of those pictures out. Also gave Troy a shout out because the Selkie yeah. Trophy is on there, and uh, Troy's uh, Troy's name is on it, and um, you get to see 
all the, the not to mention the Stanley Cup. There's a couple shots on my Twitter there, but uh, also some of the other individual trophies that are all on display. Uh, my wife, when she was there earlier, said they also have every Stanley Cup ring on display in that trophy room. They weren't there this particular time. I don't know if they're on some type of tour, but they took that out. But you could see the ring for every Stanley Cup winner. And then you also get to see the rings that have been removed from the current Stanley Cup as well. So it doesn't get gargantuan uh, in its ways. And we saw some pretty big names removed in the ring that was taken away this past year. But uh, really great scene. Get to see some of these old uniforms uh, in that trophy room is, you know, a, a makeshift uh, plaque, if you will, of uh, what is written on each player's uh, plaque. And seeing some real history is great. There's a special Gordie Howe, uh, Wayne Gretzky exhibit going on right now. One of the centerpieces or the main centerpiece of the hall right now. And there's other other great interactive things you can do. So... uh, so is, Great it, to get is it that sections? Opportunity. Is it like is, is there just stuff everywhere? Or is it like this is a, this is an old yeah there are jersey sections is... there yeah and there are jerseys all over from yeah. there's like an international wing where um, there there's stuff from 1972 the uh, uh, or the 1980 U.S. gold medal winners oh, sure. the 1972 Great Series between uh, Team Canada and uh, and uh, Russia uh, just just some outstanding exhibits. Homage to women's hockey as well, which has been coming nice. on too. And some of these old school jerseys and um, minor league jerseys and international jerseys. You know, you have the old Cleveland Barons jerseys and Oakland Golden Seals that takes you way back in the day. Um, Colorado Rockies when they were a, uh, when they were a hockey team back then. So it's it's a total blast. If you, there's some interactive stuff as well, I played shoot the puck oh, awesome. against uh, Jonathan Quick. You can choose between Jonathan Quick, Carey Price, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, and uh, who was the other? I forgot who the other was. Maybe even Freddie Anderson. I'm not sure. But uh, I went up against. I chose Jonathan Quick. You get eight shots. I only beat Jonathan Quick once, partly because the first three shots, my release point was way off, and I flung him way left. As a right-handed shot, I flung him way left. So uh, it's it's all That's fun. Awesome. You also get to you also get a uh, a quasi um, uh, goalie where you're playing goalie one on one against a player coming down the ice, and you have to try and make the oh, save on that. Cool. So it's all good. And with that. There is a there is also a gift shop that has everything in the world connected to it. So I thought I had to bring something back for you guys. So Scott, uh, I got a, a present for you and Scott. First for for our producer Joe Romano, who does wonderful work here. Joe's the best. Joe's the best. Uh, does a lot of this on his own time. Got him a nice little uh, hockey Whoa! hall of fame. That's uh, such a good logo. I love mug. when I see that logo. It's got little grips. Yeah. So uh, we have gotten Joe previously. And our appreciation gift cards to certain stores um, that are, are known for just having some fun. We didn't want to particularly go that way, but at least we gave him something to give any beverage that he wants in this. Yeah, so that's better than a Lover's a, Lane uh, gift card. A, uh, per, <laughs> a uh, official Hockey Hall of Fame thermos there. That's awesome. Cold or hot. He can uh, put whatever he wants in. And for you, Scott. Should I close my eyes? <laughs> A pair of Jeremy Roenick socks. Whoa. Friend of the show, Jeremy Roenick. Yes, he was on our show during at the our convention. Black convention. It was a big one. And uh, every team has uh, socks linked to stars of their past. The Blackhawks have Stan Makita. And also Jeremy Roenick, who played for a bunch of other teams. But uh, go, go ahead. Uh, I will take wear a look these, at that. Uh, Open them up. And, I'll wear these oh, I'm proudly. not sure if you're going to wear them with, with shorts or not, but uh, Jeremy Roenick socks are all for you. It has Jeremy's, the Jer- the box. Jeremy's image Whoa. on them with Blackhawk stripes. They're it looks red. Just like them. And it is a good character. It looks just like a him. Shot of him. So I want to see those uh, up to your knees and then wearing uh, pre Jordan hugger shorts uh, oh. out, out and about. And it'll be a it'll be a. I'll wear some you. short shorts and I'll wear these and I'll go golfing or something. <laughs> no, thank you, Chris. It's awesome, man. And this is great. And I'll uh, I, so I'll you'll, give... you'll probably wear them, but with long pants. I would. I would <laughs> I'm assume. gonna wear these a lot. Thanks, man. It's great to have something from there. Appreciate it. So enjoy. I will. Enjoy. And I'll uh, you know we'll when this posts I'll give people uh, some time to listen and then maybe I'll post a picture so they see what they look like. Right. You're tearing up, aren't you? I'm emotional. <laughs> I got something from the hall. So uh, there you have it. Uh, again. Uh, 
we're still five, six weeks out from the draft. Well, we'll catch up with, I'm sure, Blackhawks uh, President of Scouting, Vice President of Scouting, Mark Kelly, at some point here. I know he's going to be available the week of the draft, so if anything, we'll hear from him then. Uh want to get some of his thoughts closer up because... You know, he he and Stan are the guys in the driver's seat right now in the draft. Of course, we'll hear from him. And again, we also want to perhaps catch up with Troy Murray, get some of his thoughts on what has transpired here in the playoffs and how some of the Blackhawks are doing in the Worlds. And uh, I know we put together a special message for uh, someone you wanted to give a shout-out to as well, uh, someone going through some uh, difficult times physically, but hopefully uh, out of the woods here, too. Yeah, yeah. we... we uh you were kind enough to join me for a, uh, a little video uh, shout-out before the show that we'll get to his sister, uh, Tessa, who, who reached out to me. Uh, Sam Martin just recovering from a kidney transplant who's uh, a fan of the show and a big Blackhawks fan. So, you know, just want to try to entertain him a little bit during his uh, recovery. And, you know, I know it's the off season, but hopefully he's entertained with these playoffs and maybe he's uh, catching some stuff on Netflix to relax a little bit. Yeah, Sam, uh, be well. We wish you all the best. Uh, and... Uh Good on Tessa to uh, provide the idea as well. Hope you're uh, well and back at it soon in the meantime, uh, providing uh, some some uh, humor, some levity as, as you get through that as well. Anything else you're working on, uh, Forbes? Anything else that uh, may be coming our way? I have honestly been doing a lot of housework and some yard work. Really? And then, then, then I'm going to hit Has all there been my... one uh, big project over another? Or, oh, or let's no? see. There's a lot of big and little projects. I had to get my... Uh, thrown out our old table uh outdoor table and umbrella got a new one from home depot that's a big deal and uh we're gonna do some some planting of flowers and, and bushes. i basically just had to get the yard clean get the new furniture built and in and i, I power washed our uh, patio look at you my man's man look at you tim <laughs> allen here with us <laughs> going to the uh, builder store <laughs> The the, uh, the the home store, the tool man. All done. And I've been doing a lot of that, too, during, yeah. during the course of uh, the spring. When, uh, uh, But it was good to get away to Toronto. Real good trip. Again, If uh, I encourage you to, to uh, hit it at some time. And when I think about Toronto, it, it was nice. It was nice there now, but 50s or so. So the weather, I think, had just been starting to turn here over the course of the last couple of weeks. And uh, it seems like a great city to live in if you ever have that option. But uh, I gave them enough of my money over the course of the last three or four days. But uh, seeing the Hockey Hall of Fame is all worth it for for those of you who haven't had the opportunity, me at age 56 after covering three Stanley Cups and being around this team, uh, all my reporting life, uh, it was good to see it. And the Blackhawks certainly have uh, have their own stamp on that. Uh, so any, anything coming up wise, Chelsea Blogger, NHL.com. Tracy's, Tracy's been killing it on NHL.com. Yeah, following she has. Those she does. Dallas series uh, with uh, whether it's St. Louis or Nashville. So uh, we'll be looking out for that. We can also... Look uh, for not only this podcast, but uh, some new material as it comes along, and there will be with World Championships yeah, coming. I'll be writing on, uh, more uh, closer to the blog. draft. I'll be writing about uh, prospects and uh, what happens at the, at the draft and such as, as we get closer. Any any kind of big breaking news with the team, I will touch on as well. But I'll be I'll be doing more writing for uh, a few outlets very mm-hmm. shortly. Yep, you can follow the uh, Chelsea Blogger on uh, WGNRadio.com and at Facebook.com backslash Chelsea Blogger. And uh, we'll all be putting our two cents in as the playoffs continue, I'm sure, as well as we uh, sit on the couch and watch other teams, unfortunately, battle it out. And you can uh, follow Scott at, at Scott King Media. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets on Twitter. Check out some of those pictures over the last couple days that I put on from the Hall of Fame, too. And we encourage you to subscribe to the Black Cox Crazy Podcast by going to iTunes and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Thanks once again to Joe Romano. Hopefully uh, we'll get him out to lunch soon, but uh, maybe this uh, this thermos nice will, will do. And thank you again for my socks. Yes, uh, maybe I'll tweet it to Jr. Maybe he doesn't even know those exist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Model them. Model yeah. them, if you will. Put put that out if, if, if you can. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll be back at you in a couple of weeks, maybe uh, a post-World Championships edition, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we know a lot will happen in the meantime with the Stanley Cup playoffs as it gets uh, narrowed down by that time to a precious two. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.